It is 5.09, and I've got to start my show where Rush started his today, uh, largely in defense of him, and he was reading something I wrote about him. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here at Lenny's Evening News on WSB, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Y'all, I, I do not want to minimize Irma. It is a ginormous storm, technical term, ginormous. But it is so funny to me to watch media coverage of this. And in fact, here's the funniest thing. So, and I'm not giving away confidence in this. Rush and I were up late last night trading emails. And he said, they sometime around 11 o'clock last night, they released the latest National Hurricane Center uh, predictions map of all the computer models. And <laughs> Rush said, you wait. Tomorrow morning, the National Hurricane Center is going to release its latest prediction map, and all of the models are going to show Irma to the east of Florida, but the National Hurricane Center map is going to show it going straight up the middle of Florida, doing maximum damage. And damned if he wasn't right. Have you seen the latest model? All of them, we've got this this cold front coming down through Georgia, the rain we had earlier today. It's pushing out. It's going to impact the hurricane. It's probably going to, to keep the hurricane mostly offshore, although it's so big. Not all of it. Uh, a lot of high winds will be onshore. Um, but the National Hurricane Center, it's, it's the only prediction map that has the storm going right up the heart of Florida. All the other lines are to the east of Florida. Now, that's not to say they're wrong. And that's not to say they're right. That is to say that there has been every hurricane season since I have been old enough to, and growing up in Louisiana, they were a frequent thing, more frequent in Louisiana during the summer than here. Uh, The media oversells these things because it is a ratings bonanza. My wife, I was in seminary today, uh, all day, and my wife texted me and said, would you buy water when you come home? I bought water. I bought a case of water from Publix three days ago. I was like, what have my kids done with the water? And I text her back. She says, no, no, it's just everybody in Macon has sold out. They're sold out of water in middle Georgia where the hurricane is not going to hit. People are panicking and they're panicking because of a hysterical media. By the way, take the coverage of Hurricane Harvey. And how climate change caused massive flooding in uh, in Texas, uh, massive flooding in Houston. I want to share with you a news article from the Houston Chronicle. And the reason that it is worth sharing this news article with you is because it is from May 28, 2006, well over a year Well over a year before Hurricane Harvey hit, this article was in the Houston Chronicle. Let me read you the first three paragraphs. Houston is sinking and has been for decades as torrential rains have pounded the city in consecutive years leading to repeated heavy and deadly flooding. This inconvenient fact contributes to the region's misery. Parts of Harris County have dropped between 10 and 12 feet since the 1920s. Feet, not inches, 
not centimeters, not millimeters, feet. Harris County, where Houston is, has sunk 12 feet since the 1920s. And yet they would have you believe it was all global warming that caused the flooding in Houston. The media is having an I told you so moment about hurricanes because they've been wrong for 20 years about hurricanes. And they are scaring the bejesus out of people intentionally so. Listen, Hurricane Irma is a huge storm, and if it hits Florida, it's going to do massive damage. And it'll be there Friday or Saturday. The winds will be picking up tomorrow. People do need to prepare. People do need to be cautious. But people do not need to freak out. And the media is being driven with a global warming fear-mongering. Uh, and my buddy Ryan is an actual tropical cyclone climatologist. He has a Ph.D. in this stuff. He is a hurricane expert. And on Twitter, he pointed out that many of the water temperature maps that the media is using are exaggerating the temperatures with the color coding. For example, uh, many of them are showing a light yellow. There's no white in the maps. They're all shades of yellow, increasingly darker to orange and red. And the lightest yellow is being used for below normal temperatures, making it look like above, normal, uh, above average temperatures. There are large parts of the Gulf of Mexico and Atlantic that are at average temperatures. But if you looked at the weather maps that are being used by many of the meteorologists on television right now, and in newspapers and on the internet, it makes it look like all of the temperatures in the Atlantic and Gulf of Mexico are above average, that there are no averages. And by the way, all of the water pouring out of Houston into the Gulf of Mexico is causing a measurable drop in the temperature in the Gulf of Mexico. If you actually got a properly color-coded map, you would see that. Speaking of, have you guys heard this, that Houston got so much rainfall it actually caused two additional centimeters of sinking in Texas. The ground actually sank, bow-shaped, a bowl shape, because of the weight of the water. Two centimeters worth, the, so much water. But y'all, listen, I, the problem with saying any of this stuff, like, like uh, the outrage over what Rush was saying yesterday, See, he was accused of being a hurricane denier an Irma denier. We're not denying anything. We're just telling you that the media has a vested interest in overhyping these storms because it's good for ratings. And the media has a vested interest in terrifying you because for 20 years they have been saying that there were going to be more and more powerful hurricanes and we've had 20 years of almost no hurricanes. So, oh my God, we've got three in the Atlantic side of Mexico right now. Oh, disaster, we're right, we're right, we told you so. For 20 years they've been making this prediction and suddenly they're right? No. Folks, I grew up again in Louisiana, in Dubai. I would come home for the summer in Louisiana. We would have summers where we would have four and five hurricanes blow through. We had Hurricane Andrew blow through. I was out of school for almost a week with Hurricane Andrew. We were out of power for days. And yet, all of a sudden, the media this is global warming. This is proof we've been right all along. So if you've been right all along... Has global warming not then been a good thing for the last 20 years where we've had no hurricanes? Yeah, we, we will occasionally get hurricanes. 
but it is there is a hysteria. You should be reasonable. You should be prudent. You should be cautious. You should be prepared, but you should not freak out. There is no reason that parts of Georgia right now need to be completely sold out of bottled water because, by the way, there is water flowing through your taps right now that is perfectly drinkable, except maybe in South Atlanta, where they always have problems. But by and large, the water in your taps right now is potable. It is drinkable. You can fill up empty containers with it. You don't have to run out and buy bottled water. But people are freaking out, and they're freaking out because the media wants them to freak out, as the media has a celebratory I-told-you-so moment because they've been wrong for 20 years and suddenly feel like they're right. There's a little bit of breaking news happening right now. The House Judiciary Committee, or House Intelligence Committee, rather, it was the Judiciary Committee that's been in the news, but this evening the House Intelligence Committee has subpoenaed FBI and Justice Department files related to the Trump dossier prepared by Christopher Steele uh, happening right now. Uh, we'll keep you up to date on that. And when we come back, of course, we got to get into the absolute meltdown uh, happening among Republicans in Capitol Hill. I actually had a, a prominent uh, ultra-conservative uh, Republican member of Congress text me while I was in seminary today asking, uh, when did we get a Democrat in the White House? Republicans on Capitol Hill are livid that on DACA and on the debt ceiling, Donald Trump is siding with the Democrats this afternoon, saying Chuck and Nancy want it. Chuck and Nancy are going to get what they want. Yes, referring to him as Chuck and Nancy. Uh, but first, I guess Clark Howard just came in here. <laughs> and we've been just dying laughing that middle Georgia, Macon, Warner Robins, Perry, the like, they're all sold out of bottled water because of hurricane panic. And part of it also is, is people fleeing Florida. There are people headed up the interstate. My wife said there is not an available hotel room within 25 miles of where we live. Um, and, and, you know, speaking of my wife and kids, y'all, Snapchat, just randomly. My daughter, thankfully, she's in sixth grade now, and she has my old iPhone, but she doesn't have a phone number. She can connect to the Internet, has an iCloud account, but she, she can't call people, and she doesn't have Snapchat. And half of her sixth grade class now has Snapchat. And fights are starting to break out among the kids over what's going on on Snapchat. Y'all, there is no reason for your sixth grader to have access to a, a, an app on your phone that is most notorious for people sending naked pictures that disappear so you can't be caught. There's absolutely no reason for that. And the frustrating part for me, honestly, as a dad is... We don't send our kid to a government school. We send our kid to a church-run school. And part of the reason we send our kid to a church-run school is a small respite from the world. But our church-run school has become so successful uh, and so prominent and prestigious and gotten so many awards that a bunch of people from the secular schools are coming into our school, and it's becoming harder and harder to distinguish uh, our school's behavior from that of other places. And I've been making my way through Rod Dreher's uh, Benedict Option, which he, he doesn't 
call for withdrawing from the world, as some people have claimed in his book, but he does make a very persuasive case, I think, that uh, if you're someone of faith, you actually need to model a little bit better your life. So frustrating right now. Hello there. It is 38 after the hour. Eric Erickson here at Lands Evening News. The phone number is 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. The president had meetings with congressional leaders today and sided with the Democrats and Republicans on Capitol Hill are livid. Uh, He agreed with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer that the debt limit vote, um, there should only be a three-month hike of the debt limit. Now, the reason the president decided to do this was because he wants to focus on tax reform, and he thinks if they can get a quick debt ceiling vote, that uh, they they can move on to tax reform. The problem is this. The next time this vote happens will be the beginning of campaign 2018. And Republicans were really hoping to do a year increase to get through the campaign season before having to do it again. But now they're not going to. The president siding with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, uh, Jamie Dupree and I are both being told that all of the Republicans in the room were opposed to a three-month debt ceiling, and the president did it anyway. Now, a lot of Republicans outside of Congress couldn't care less on that. Where they will care is DACA. The president told Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer that DACA would stay. In fact, this morning, the president tweeted out that if Congress does not act in the next six months to fix and preserve DACA, he will reconsider it. And then today tells Pelosi and Schumer that it's not going away. And he tells them that in front of the Republicans and tells the Republicans they got to do something. Now, Republicans on Capitol Hill are, I'm told, very mixed on this. One... They appreciate the president recognizing that he has no power to implement DACA. They, uh, many of them support DACA, but they were opposed to the president doing it, particularly when Obama admitted he didn't have the power to do it, but was going to do it anyway. By the way, as an aside, do you notice that all these federal judges who are using Donald Trump's tweets against him in making their decisions are not using against Barack Obama his statements that he had no power to implement DACA. Have you noticed that? Yeah, talk about a double standard there. In any event, the president campaigned on getting rid of DACA. Steve King was on CNN earlier today, and it's like the scales fell off his eyes in mid-interview. He really acted as though he had been had that he had been played by the president, that the president had been lying to him all along. You know, the president had said on day one he would get rid of DACA, just like Barack Obama said on day one he'd get rid of Gitmo. Neither of them kept that promise. 
President Obama never did close uh, Gitmo, and it's looking more and more like President Trump will never actually get rid of DACA. Instead, he's asking for Congress to turn it into law. Now, again, to be clear, uh, from my vantage point, I'm okay with that. By and large, I'm okay in principle. The problem has been an implementation of the program. Uh, there have been a couple of studies now that have come out recently. I think the Heritage Foundation highlighted one yesterday where a lot of the people who are being helped by DACA actually were not toddlers when they were carried over to this country. They came over here the last couple of years and are taking advantage of it. We've essentially opened uh, the floodgates, created a new migration chain, and I do have a problem with that. Uh, the people who the program was designed to help are not necessarily the ones being helped. Notwithstanding all of that, the president did campaign on getting rid of DACA. This was one of the president's fundamental big promises. It was one of the promises that the people who voted for him supported. And now he seems to be walking it back. And if you read some of the, the Trump-leaning news sites out there, they seem to think Ivanka and Jared and the quote-unquote globalists are beginning to poison his mind. I don't think that's the case. I just don't think the president ever really had anything that he really stood for principle-wise. He's just kind of going with the flow. And, and well, the flow has shifted, so he's shifted as well. Um, the, no underlying core principles uh, tends to affect these sorts of things. Um, John Puthorts on on Twitter is putting up a series of tweets um, here's what I think about Republican politicians in the age of Trump. Ain't nobody getting out alive. And I think that's probably right. Um, it does seem to be the, um, the Trump administration for Republicans is turning into a murder-suicide pact in some cases. Listen, let me ask you this. If you're a Trump supporter, you're not going to blame the president for this. I think everyone in the media needs to acknowledge that you're not going to blame the president for this. You're going to blame congressional Republicans. You're going to blame Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, and you will largely be right, even though the media will never admit it. But if the Republicans go through this year, and the only thing they accomplish is a hurricane relief package and raising the debt ceiling and preventing the president from dropping Russia sanctions. Are you going to be satisfied? Are you going to be satisfied? No Obamacare repeal. No tax reform. No federal labor reform. Nothing. Just those things. Now, i got to be real honest. Part of me, yeah. I think the less Congress does, the better. I mean, the less Congress does, the less legislation Congress passes, the more your rights are secure, the better your liberty. The problem, though, is that this Congress hasn't rolled back a lot of the damage done by the Democrats when they control everything. And it's not even the filibuster that's the problem. The president says the fil they need to get rid of the filibuster. You know, Luther Strange over in Alabama uh, running against Roy Moore, he's uh, strange as technically the incumbent got appointed to replace Jeff Sessions. Uh, he's come out now in favor of getting rid of the filibuster. He's only doing it because he's going to lose, and he should. If you're headed Alabama, if you vote in Alabama, you should vote for Roy Moore. Uh, the best way to rock the apple cart in Washington and shake up the establishment is to get rid of the establishment and to, to strike a blow against Mitch McConnell. And the best way to do that is to vote for a guy like Roy Moore against Luther Strange. 
But it really is something for all of these people to behold that the Republicans in Congress, they really haven't done anything. I mean, nothing worth bragging about, nothing to write home about, and nothing to campaign on next year. It is 5.54. I'm Eric Erickson, Atlanta's Evening News. Y'all, it is 69 degrees. Uh, When that rain came through with the front, good gracious temperatures dropped around here. Uh, It just, it's going to be in the low 80s, I think, the rest of the week. Well, we'll see what happens with Irma. Uh, In any event, the phone number, 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. Hillary Clinton's preacher. Bill Shillady, 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 is a United Methodist pastor. He wrote a book. He's Hillary's pastor. Wrote a book describing her faith. How authentic. You know, everybody uses the word authentic these days. It's authentic faith. Elizabeth Warren has authentic faith. What the hell does authentic faith mean? Huh? I mean, the way it's being used as people is she has a faith of her own creation. Anyway, so he wrote this book, uh, Strong for a Moment Like This, The Daily Devotions of Hillary Rodham Clinton. It was based on emails he wrote to Clinton during her presidential campaign in the aftermath of her loss. The former Secretary of State appears on the cover of the book and wrote its foreword, Clinton's a lifelong Methodist. She's been her pastor since 2002. Shortly before the book's publication in August, CNN reported that Shalady copied a portion of a devotional from another pastor without attribution. The Reverend Brian Milford, president of the United Methodist Publishing House, which owns Abington Press, the book's publisher, told CNN that their report prompted, prompted the publisher to engage in an extensive review. And guess what? The book has been pulled for plagiarism. That's right. The pastor, this actually doesn't seem like a big deal to me, but (laughs) it's Clinton and her pastor. So he took other pastors' devotions and sent them to Hillary Clinton in emails. He compiled those emails in a book. And in the book, did not go back and attribute those devotionals to the people he got them from. Yeah, technically it's plagiarism, but basically he was printing his email exchange with Hillary Clinton. Still, if you're a pastor and you're publishing, listen, I got a book coming out and I'm just paranoid that someone's going to go through the recipes and say, oh, this recipe sounds like someone else's is plagiarism when it's not. It's, ah. It is 6:10. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk as a favor. Uh, we actually are doing a fundraiser right now for the resurgent. We actually really do have to raise some significant money here to 
keep the lights on. Um, but one easy way to help actually is uh, if you would subscribe either through Google Play or the iTunes store or whatnot to the podcast of this year's show, uh, review us and all. We are now in Google Play apparently as of yesterday, so that helps. Now, I, if you'll allow me to step away from politics for just a minute, I want to go back to something I was talking about earlier, and, and that is all of us now, I think, in Georgia – uh, now it's it's post-Labor Day, and whether you're in private school or public school, your kids are back in school. And I am more and more hesitant to allow my kids access to social media. And just for perspective, mine are uh, just turned 12 as of a week ago uh, in sixth grade, and eight years old will be nine in December in third grade. The third grader, he he uses. I've got hand-me-down iPads and, and iPhones, and, and he uses an iPad. He has nothing on social media. the The closest he comes is like a Roblox and Minecraft account, uh, where he's not allowed to interact with people. Uh, he has to turn those features off. Now I'll play with him, and select friends will play with him, but but he can't just have general free for all. And you can set those privacy settings. I don't want my kids interacting with strangers over the internet. And regardless of what I do with my job or not, I wouldn't want them to do this. But my sixth grader, he's feeling more and more the pressures of social media. She has an Instagram account. It's the only social media we allow her to have. Instagram is my safe place on the Internet. Uh, You can follow me if you want on Instagram at E.W. Erickson. It's not a private account. Uh, And I, I do not engage in politics there. You'll find my astronomy photos from my telescope, my other pictures, my cooking uh, family picture, you you won't really find politics there uh, very much. Uh, lately, it's been some book promotion. But I, I keep her account private, and I make multiple friends of mine follow her. If she ever just goes off the rails on Instagram, I'll know about it immediately because someone will see it. But she's under enormous pressure now to join in Snapchat because most of her class is in Snapchat. Now, I, I, y'all, I don't know what age, many of you don't have kids, and, and a lot of you have kids who are grown up and out of the house, but I, I know just based on, I mean, Cox Media Group does inordinate amounts of research on all of our shows. I, I know the demographics of the show, and a great many of you have kids in middle school and high school, and the idea of giving your kid a cell phone and just letting them have free reign on social media without you knowing What's going on on social media scares the living daylights out of me on your behalf because I'm getting a taste of what's going on on social media, and it's not good with with middle school and high school kids. And and there's a lesson to be had here. Now, I I want you to know that, and this is not an ad placement. It it is just it's something that Christy and I have started using in our house. There's a product. It's Disney-branded. It's not really from Disney, but they partnered up with Disney for it. It's called Circle. And it is a little box that you just uh, plug into a wall and it you connect it to your Wi-Fi system. And any device in your house that has Wi-Fi uh, will first, before going out to the Internet, flow through this device. And you can assign every device to one of your kids, yourself, your spouse. And you can regulate uh, what they can and cannot have access to and how much time in a day they can be on the Internet. Uh, So, for example, my 12-year-old, we've got her on the teen settings, but we block Snapchat. She can't use Snapchat. Um, She can't use uh, regular YouTube. She's got to use the the parental-friendly version, uh, the kid version of YouTube. Uh, Anything that goes to YouTube on her 
uh, on her iPad or her phone goes there. Uh, her The only device of hers that has access to this stuff is she has one of those god-awful HP tablets from school. What a piece of crap these things are. Uh, it is making kids Apple fans just by the garbage tablets that schools are giving. And we go to a nice private Christian school. And it, it, they're just, they're atrocious Windows machines. I'm just, I'm biased anyway for Apple. But nonetheless, uh, that one you got to have access so she can do homework. But we then monitor what site she's going to. And I am stunned by the number of parents who think that if they give their kid a device that it is just, they go into the wild, that you can't monitor it when you can. You can go to Best Buy or Target and Walmart and get one of these circle devices or get on Amazon.com and get one. There are other competitors to it as well. They're just as good. And you can specify what apps your kid can and cannot use and how long they're allowed to use them. And if they're on the internet, uh, what websites they can and not, cannot go to by permission level and whatnot. Um, we got a situation uh, where a bunch of kids just, just squabbling with each other on Snapchat. And of course, Snapchat is the one that it is the most popular with kids these days. And the reason it is so popular is because in theory, all of your chats disappear. And because they disappear, you can't get caught. And they can, uh, you can send, uh, not that this is happening, thank God, but, but I know parents who have been in situations where their kids have either sent or received naked pictures on Snapchat and they've disappeared and they've just heard about it in the conversations. And uh, the internet brings out the worst in everyone. And the, the longer you keep your child from social media, I think the better. But the bigger thing is, I think that more and more, you know, like I'm in the PCA, the Presbyterian Church in America, and we got a real problem in our denomination that is growing where you've got a lot of young ministers coming in who are preaching culture to the church instead of preaching church to the culture. And you got a lot of people coming in from secular cultures. It collapses into Christian private schools and whatnot and into churches. And you're finding more and more of the people who went there as a refuge from the world acting just like the world. And the Internet brings that out in people as well and in our kids. And culture sucks the life out of our kids, sucks the faith out of our kids, sucks the decency out of our kids. And you got to be ever vigilant. Uh, you can't use the internet as a babysitter now for your kids, particularly in the rise of social media. But again, I just, I see no reason why a sixth grader needs a cell phone and needs to be able to text people. And I'm sure some of you are sitting in your car right now. You're coming up with all sorts of reasons that your kid needs a cell phone. And I assure you a hundred years ago, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, when cell phones did not exist, your kid in sixth grade would have been perfectly fine without a cell phone. And all the cell phones are doing is allowing a level of unregulated interconnectedness at a time when kids are working through hormones and everything else and they can't handle it. And we're exacerbating these problems. And I just, I, I hear so many horror stories. In fact, I heard one earlier today. Uh, when I was l lamenting this this fracas and Snapchat with some of the kids in my kids' school, uh, and it was far worse than what my kids are dealing with. And it wasn't dealing with Snapchat. It was dealing with text messages. So thankfully, there was a, a, a chain because uh, some of the kids weren't deleting the text messages as they should have been. And if you are letting your kid do that and you're not paying attention, you know, you own the phone. You have a right to look. I mean, it, it's not just your right, it's your obligation. Your kid is still learning how to live in the world and how to grow up. 
And if you're just letting them be that free range, my parents were very free range with me. We would go off and as long as we checked in once a day and still had all of our fingers and toes and were breathing, we were fine. But we didn't have the internet. You can be sitting in your house right now texting with a child predator not even know it. And if you're not checking in on your kid and seeing what they're doing, well, God help your kid and God help you. We've just, we have reached, we have crossed the Rubicon when it comes to technology. And I am increasingly convinced it is a bad thing. And I am certain it is a bad thing for you to start letting your middle schooler engage in social media. There is not a kid on the planet in middle school or early high school who needs a Twitter account or a Snapchat account, or for that matter, even a Facebook account. It just complicates their life more than you need to complicate it. Twenty-seven after the hour. Eric Erickson here. 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Them's the numbers. Uh, you know, so... Speaking of my kid in school, she and her class had to read uh, Lee Scholl's Case for Christ. And one of the questions she had to answer in a discussion group was, why do the four gospel accounts have the same story, but key details are different in, in those accounts? <laughs> and I just had this in class last week in seminary. It's like, oh, oh, I can answer this. I can answer this. And... Uh, she she had to tune me out so that I wasn't doing her homework for her. I was rather excited that for once in my life I was uh, rather useful and could actually help her with her homework. Because, you know, that, that stupid common core math stuff, luckily now she's it's getting phased out at her grade. But our kid is uh, our, our third grader. And, oh, my God, I hate common core math, people. I just, I hate Common Core. And listen, I, I, I don't want to get political on this, but it is so clear to me that it was a bunch of corporate overlords who designed the system to make good little automatons for their Fortune 500 companies. It has nothing to do with actually making our kids competitive in the world or smart. It has everything to do with making our kids little worker bees for Fortune 500 companies. And it, it's just clear in the way they designed it. It is so frustrating to me. I mean, I was, I, listen, I was not a math major. In fact, I was at the gym earlier today and, and the trader broke out the calculator and I just w- was, was dumbfounded uh, trying to figure out how much weight he wanted me to live. Blech. In any event, I, I went to the law school because I wasn't going to do math, but I'm quite competent at long division and his, his subtraction under the common core system is insane. Little worker bees and automatons for these companies. In Los Angeles, they want a new right. Yes, you know, health care is now a right. Uh, abortion is a right. Um, healthy food is a right. Education is a right. Everything is right. Internet is now a right. Well, in Los Angeles, they want air conditioning to be a right. That's right. Air conditioning should be everyone's right. So... A poor person gets to live in a house uh, that has air conditioning but then can't afford the electric bill so they don't run it. Well, then suddenly electricity becomes a right. 
and taxpayers pay for the electric. Except there's a problem. There's a real problem. Environmentalists. They don't want air conditioning to be a right. Not only that, environmentalists want to get rid of air conditioning altogether. Environmentalists do not like you having air conditioner. In fact, they say that people wouldn't live in the South if we got rid of air conditioner. We, we'd all move up North. We'd all move into cities where you have the heat island effect. We, we would do things differently. We would have siestas. We would lower our carbon footprint. I would tell them to go first, get rid of their air conditioner. You know, it's also a nonsensical argument because people lived in the South well before air conditioners. One thing I would say, uh, and I'm, one day if I win the lottery and can build my mansion, I have a mansion built in my head. One day I want to actually build it. I want to return to traditional Southern architecture where you have high ceilings and you have elevated windows to capture the breeze. You know, when we grew up in Dubai, the historic architecture in Dubai, they had wind towers, which were towers that had cloth sewn into the shape of a cross, essentially, and hung down so when the breeze came through the tower, it would hit the cloth, and it wouldn't be able to go across, so it would go shoot down, and, and that's how they cooled things in the Middle East, where, guess what, people lived before air conditioning when it would get well over 100 degrees. None of this stuff is new. We, we have forgotten some of the old ideas on how to, how to cool things and efficiently. And, you know, it is true that high ceilings and air conditioning aren't necessarily compatible unless you put the vents on the floor. But the idea from environmentalists that we are going to solve global warming, which, of course, is to blame for everything, by causing Southerners to get rid of air conditioner. And now, of course, the latest, greatest craze is that anybody, any one of you who owns a beach house is a sinner and you need to repent by tearing down your beach house and moving away. Because if you live along the coast, you're contributing to global warming and Mother Nature is going to take you out. It really is just a religious message from these people. It is all about sin, uh, sin against Mother Nature, and Mother Nature, unless you repent and join the environmental movement and give money to Greenpeace or whatnot, uh, is going to take you out. They don't know any different. They, they do not. Uh, and it is becoming just, uh, it's, it's becoming routine. You know exactly what they're going to say. So, for example, it is unseasonably cool in Atlanta right now. We have had a cold front come through. It is now 68 degrees on Peachtree Street in Midtown Atlanta. This is unseasonably cool. Is this weather or is this climate? If you say climate, you are wrong. It is weather because it undermines the theory of global warming to have unseasonably cool temperature. So this is weather. Is Irma a hurricane? Is it weather or is it climate? It is climate because the left thinks that it can be used to to amplify their calls on global warming. You know, again, I don't care about global warming. And I know I'm supposed to care because liberals scream all the time that we're supposed to care. But can I solve the problem 
without giving up a comfortable Western lifestyle. No. Therefore, I don't care about it. Call me selfish if you like. But I don't intend to give up air conditioning in my home. I don't intend to rely on a windmill in Georgia to provide my power when the wind often doesn't blow enough to turn the windmill blade. I, I, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to depend on solar power when it is more often than not cloudy at my house. I'm going to depend on coal and nuclear power. And nuclear power, I'm perfectly happy to have. You know, they're going ahead with this money sink, um, money pit that is the nuclear power plant. Uh, They claim it'll be long-term beneficial. I'm just not so sure about that. But nonetheless, they're going to go for it. And I, I support nuclear power. I think there are new reactor designs that we should be investing in. Um, better than the Westinghouse design that's causing all the problems. But nonetheless, we should have more nuclear power plants in this country. France has more nuclear power plants than we do. That should be unacceptable to all of us. We should have lots of nuclear power plants. We don't need windmills and we don't need solar panels littering the earth when we can have a nuclear power plant that will give us uh, green energy, energy that does not cause global warming. Whether it does or doesn't, I don't care. I really don't. And the left wants me to care. And they don't want me to care about the things I do care about. They don't want me to care about the nature of sin in the world. They don't want me to care about people like Jack Phillips, the baker in Colorado, who's being accused of being a Nazi because he didn't want to bake a cake for a same-sex wedding. I care about stuff like that. I care about the persecution of Christians. I I, I care about uh, the government forcing uh, the left's secular atheism on people of faith. Man, I'm not supposed to care about that. I'm only supposed to care about what the left cares about. You're only supposed to care about global warming, climate change. I don't care about it because all of the solutions for it are the exact same solutions that were offered for years when they thought there was going to be global cooling. The solutions never change. They are always about undermining the Western economy. They are always about more government control. And that just tells me that much of what they're saying, they really don't understand themselves. They're just coming up with a way to control your life. And they will fearmonger a hurricane and scare the bejesus out of you if it helps them get their way. Well, Republicans on Capitol Hill this evening have something else to be angry with the president about. He allowed uh, Heidi Heitkamp aboard Air Force One for private time together, flying her to North Dakota, where he gave a speech on tax reform and praised her from the stage. She's a Democrat up for re-election next year. Polling had suggested she's one of the most vulnerable Democrats in Congress. And the president by doing this is signaling to many that he's not going to campaign against her and she's protected. You know, he wanted her for a cabinet position and that may still be. He's got to find somebody for Homeland Security and the rumor has been that he would be moving Rick Perry from energy to Homeland Security. If he did that, Heidi Heitkamp would actually be a perfect fit for energy given the economy in North Dakota right now. Uh, Would not be a bad fit for her. So we'll see if maybe that's the overture he's making. But Republicans on the Hill are really angry with the president today. And here's the thing. Nobody likes Republicans on Capitol Hill. Even Republicans hate the Republican congressional leadership. The president can get away with this stuff because they burned every bridge.